This is exactly right. If you're a fan of meticulously crafted worlds that reimagine every little detail, then you'll enjoy the podcast Imaginary Worlds. Host Eric Malinsky spent over a decade working in public radio and uses those skills to create a sound-rich podcast that features interviews with Andy Weir, who wrote The Martian, the writers of hit TV shows like Star Trek Strange New Worlds, designers of games like Magic the Gathering, and the puppeteer who designed Miss Piggy. You can find Imaginary Worlds wherever you're listening to this podcast. Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of I Saw What You Did. My name is Millie DeCherico. I'm Danielle Henderson. And um, we're here to talk about film with you once again. We have an amazing guest today. I mean, let's not bump him up too much. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> on your orders listen, this listen. was not my idea guest <laughs> i i will intro our lovely guest i've been friends with our guest for over 20 years and we met on an internet comic book forum run by his wife who i'm also dear friends with and the official bio he sent to us says that he's a new york times best-selling author of comics and television which is true uh and that he fucks marries and kills in portland oregon but in addition to this, I know him to be highly intelligent, deeply funny, generous, and kind, and just a delightful pain in my ass. Our guest today is Matt Fraction. Hey. Hi. Hi, Hi, Matt. Hi. I'm, I'm feeling both uh, flattered and pressured, so cool. cool That's cool. how we like to do it. No like a, Like a billionaire submarine, I am... <laughs> I need to get more of those submersibles made. I feel like between the orcas and the submersibles, we could really affect some world change. I think I think there should be a a, a, a six person Supreme Court uh, uh, submersible to give those justices, you know, a little a little summer hang time. Guys, go check out the Titanic. <laughs> just six of you. It's okay. Just it's only six. We'll we'll. Can I ask uh, a question right off the bat for please. you guys? Because yeah. since you guys are such. Uh, longtime friends. Tw- 20 years, that I felt that in my bones. Yeah, you and me both. Um, how do you think I feel when you post pictures of, like, your teen children? Yeah, Which, yeah, what? yeah, it's true, it's true. <laughs> well, I, I was curious, what was an internet comic book form like 20 years ago? I just had to ask. It was um, great. Yeah. As I remember, but I, I was also kind of, uh, like, I, I, it's interesting to meet people from there that, took it w- 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 way more seriously. I-, I remember them all being very funny. Yes. You know, I remember them being very smart and sort of everybody that my kind of class or whatever of comic writers all kind of started in those places. We all got oh, to wow. kind of know each other. It was very fun. It was sort of like, you know, not everybody was on the internet yet, but most people in comics were and were dicking around at work. So it was a chance to, it was, it was cool. It was a lot of, it was, it was, Sort of like when Twitter was good, only it was a, a forum, so it was a little more slower than Twitter. 100%. And it, w- it was really just like jokes all day and kind of, it wasn't difficult to figure out people's personalities right away. So yeah. you kind of just found your people and some people you were just, you know, weren't close with or, but you still appreciated right. what they had to bring to the table. And it was a, it was a conversation above all, which I yeah. thought was always the best. Like somebody could pose a question a wide ranging question and you just get to kind of see what everyone was about 
um, yeah. in a very easy way. So it was, it was easy. It was like very easy to make actual friends there. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. 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 And, and so many of us were, were trying to figure out how to write for a living. Yes. There's a great commonality. It was, you know, kind of, it was as close to having a scene as maybe writers ever can. You know what I mean? Completely. So I just have that yeah. feeling of, oh, right. All, there was, it was crazy that all of us were together trying to figure our shit out. Yeah. It was pretty yeah. miraculous in that way because I yeah, think yeah, that there yeah. was like, like Jamie McKelvey and Kieran Gillen, did they mm -hmm. meet on those forums? I think, I think so. Yeah. yeah. And now they're writing like, you know, these incredible yeah. books together. And yeah, it was kind of cool to, as a, as a creator who does mostly solitary work yeah. to find, find your crowd. You know, or, you know, like Brian Leo Malley, who started off kind of this, and then he was like, I think he was like, he lettered some stuff and would mm -hmm. kind of draw and then suddenly was doing a little thing and then suddenly was Brian Lee O'Malley, you know, but you get the, you know, it was sort of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And even today I'll, I'll meet people and like the name will ring a bell and then they'll tell me whatever their forum handle was. That's where like, like that's where my ridiculous fake name comes from. Uh, my, my last name is Fritchman. I was, uh, uh, one night I got a call from a telemarketer who mispronounced my name as Fraction. And I was like, yeah, this is Matt, this is Matt Fraction. I'm on my moon base. What do you, what do you want? But then that became like my login name. Like that just became my handle everywhere I went. So when I actually started writing, I was like, well, people in comics know me by this name. Right. So I guess that should be, it's kind of the only marketing hook I have. <laughs> Uh, so that was name. why I have this ridiculous fake name is like, well, the people in, you know, people in comics know who I am. They know me as, thank God it didn't go with like, you know, bong Lord 69. Or <laughs> Which you could have done very easily. So close. But it would have taken it. But it had to have been bong Lord 70 and you hate to be bong Lord 70. <laughs> bong Lord 69 always gets in there early and quick yeah. on every social media service. Yeah. He's like, no one's going to get yeah. this from me. Yeah. Don't even but get me true. started on the license plates. <laughs> <laughs> and you also, I mean, this is also a, a, an interesting segue into something I wanted to talk to you about anyway, because you did start your career in a very different way. Like you were kind of writing on the side, which I think those those forums helped us with to kind of develop our oh, yeah. art. Yeah. But you were yeah. doing like so many other things and including raiding one of your former offices to start one of your new businesses. <laughs> yes. Which is yeah. one of my favorite stories, if you're legally allowed to tell it. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What's that guy going to do? Sue me? Um, Statue of Limitations uh, has to be up by now. <laughs> probably. Yeah. Yeah. No, we all got, you know, it was we a group of me and some friends from school got hired uh, to, to, to be a what was called a web incubator. And then it became clear that it well, I shouldn't say it became clear, but uh, suddenly after tax day, uh, everything went away. And it was like, oh, was this just a tax write off? Oh. You know? God. Um, and, and dude kept saying like, all right, we have to make X amount of money or we have to shut down and we would make that money. And they was, Oh no, no, no. We got to make Y amount of money. And we would make that and we have to shut down. And finally, one day we showed up and he's just like, all right, we're, we're done. Uh, uh, close everything down, square all the accounts, split up the money that's left. And like a group of us were like sitting outside trying to figure out what to do. And I just, you know, I was a mess and like, I had this image of me trying to like press gap khakis on the little piece of linoleum kitchen floor I had in my shitty apartment trying to write a resume and, and find work. And it was, it was like, hey, we should just try it. We think well, let's just do this ourselves. Right. Amazing. We took every stick of furniture we could and every usable piece of computer equipment and phones. And we just like, like, uh, like bull weevils, just like stripped 
the down, <laughs> office down, one of the guys was moving that weekend. So he just called his landlord and like, you know what? We changed our mind. Is it okay if we keep the place? And landlord was like, sure. It's like, great. We have an office. So we moved into Ben's and Angie's old apartment and, you know, became uh, uh, like we did motion graphics and animation for commercials and music videos and stuff like that. And it was just sort of trying to, yeah, it was, you know, we, we had $4,000 to our names and, and, uh, and, and made a company work. And it was, it was, uh, but yeah, so then the whole thing with like either, you know, I loved, always loved comics and made my own comics or whatever, but it, it became, I used to call it my night job because it, it was nice to not get notes. Yes. It was just the thing I could write that I didn't get feedback. I didn't have to get, you know, uh, uh, uh it was just a thing that I could write for me. And then it, and then it, I started to actually do it for, for, for real. Uh, people started yeah. to publish them crazily enough. And then one thing led to the other and I didn't want to be in advertising anymore. And, 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 uh, and, and away we went. Oh, and the, one of the, one of the things that led to the other is that you're just a phenomenal writer and it was well, thank you. really difficult. It would be difficult to ignore, um, <laughs> your, your work, <laughs> and your well, art. So I, I think I, that I it's, think, Thank you. And I, I think I, I got lucky and I had a couple of a, a good breaks and, and a couple of things worked out and, and I gave myself, it was a little, uh, who, who was it? Caesar that like when they went to go conquer the place and burnt all the bridges. So like the guys couldn't go home, yeah. you know, Caesar. And I think Bane in Batman. Bane. It was Bane. Oh, that's right. Bane. I'm sorry. Yeah. Not Julius Caesar. It was Bane. <laughs> <laughs> But no, my, my, my wife called me at work one day to tell me she was pregnant and I responded the way any newly expectant mother and wife wants their partner to respond. I said, so I should probably quit my job, huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, which didn't go over well, but then I ended and I did like literally oh the first time someone said something I disagreed with. I was like, fuck this, <laughs> I quit. <laughs> We but, both, you know, Bill and I have both been there for far less, for yeah, far yeah, less yeah. reasons. <laughs> but like, hey, have a have a baby on the way. That'll be a good way to 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 give yourself. Oh, I really got to make this comic thing work. I got like nine months to do it. Oh, I love. I just love that setting your own clock to do your own work is really the only way to get things done. I think. Yeah. yeah Especially yeah. when you're starting out, I think that it's very easy to kind of guess and hope and wish and and put it out in the ether that you want to do things, but unless you actually sit down and do it um, yeah. and give yourself that, that arbitrary timeline or the very real timeline of uh, we're creating a life and we have a house and things yeah, that need there's a to... Mortis, a baby, baby, baby's got to eat, you know? Um, the, you know I just it, love it. it. The, you, you know, um, the, the Tim Burton, uh, Ed Wood. Yeah. Yes. The first time someone was going to publish something that I wrote and it was like a kind of like, I didn't make it up. Like it was like a received concept, you know, it wasn't quite work for hire, but it was kind of work for hire. And I was just paralyzed. It was dumb and silly and 11 pages long. And I was, I just spent all this time thinking about comics and talking about comics. And it was like, well, this isn't Citizen Kane. You know what I mean? Like right. this is a, this is, but, and Ed Wood was on and there's that bit where he's trying to he, you know, he calls the guys like, oh, this is Edward D. Wood Jr., director of Glenna Glenda. And the, the producer goes, Glenna Glenda, that's the worst piece of shit I ever saw. <laughs> and he's like, like, it's like, like he's got like a hair in his mouth. He just goes like, oh, well, my next one will be better, which is why I'm calling. Like that was the thing 
that made me a writer. Wow. Like yeah. everyone's like, when did you become a writer? When did you, it was like that, the day that I realized my next one will be better. This one is going to suck. But next time I can, like, that was, oh, yeah, I, I, it was, it was the weirdest advice. thing. Yeah. No, I think it's, I think it's incredible advice. And again, it's, it speaks to a lot of personal fortitude because you could very easily have gotten buried under the task and just thought, well, never again. I, yeah, this, yeah. this was this was bad. I'm not up to the, I'm not up to this to the challenge yeah. of this. Yeah, uh, or you delete yourself, right? Like, oh, I don't have the right pencil. Oh, the notebook absolutely. needs to be better. You know what I mean? The problem was the dog was barking. I need to exactly. find the right space. I need to. You know what I mean? Like, it's any. You know, there's a, there's a thing with with you know Jack Kirby, a sort of writer and 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 and, and illustrator uh, uh, who built the Marvel universe with his imagination of giving an interview later in life. And like, all these kids keep asking me what pencils are. He's like, kid, the magic ain't in the pencil. Exactly. God, true words. Yeah, you yeah. can write on the toilet. Like it doesn't matter. It doesn't oh, yeah. matter. <laughs> just, just say what you got to say. The yeah. tools are not the thing. Yeah. 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 Oh, and, I love and it. you know, and especially I think too, like working in a deadline driven medium, um, helps, helps you like divorce from preciousness a lot too. Well, yeah. Cause you have to like, you know, you write, but then you have to take take it to a, a letterer and someone who's going to ink it, and someone yeah. like there's a whole schedule that's dependent upon you getting the words out. So right, right, it right. really and, helps and if, you to not it, be pressured. And if you don't, no one else gets paid, right? Like down the line, completely. So that's that's a a profound uh, thing. You know, I, I ran into it. Had a very similar experience this past year working on a TV show where I, I showed up in Vancouver and we had two units running in a payroll of like 500 people. And it was like, oh, shit. Oh, the this cam is camera's got to roll. Script's got to come in or, or oh, all these people don't get paid and they know where my office is. Exactly. <laughs> so, <laughs> they know where I live. Shit. It's very, very, very important to get divorced from preciousness as, as quickly as possible. That is that is something that, I, that you, you've touched upon. A couple of things that I want to ask you about um, before we get to our lovely real our real the real reason we have you here is our no oh, right yeah. um but what what do you think because i know that you're you're well read in movies you read a lot of like great books about film and filmmakers but what was what were some of the movies or like how how in talking about ed wood and you know when you decided that you were gonna you were a writer mm -hmm. what were some of the films or the process of watching movies that helps to have an effect on your creative life? Like, do you, is it useful to you still? Was it something as a teenager that you felt like this is my only way into a culture that I appreciate or want to know more about? Because I kind of, I don't know, I grew up in a way where I didn't have any rules and Millie really didn't have any rules either. Yeah, um, yeah. So we kind of found- kids forever. Yeah, latchkey kids, man, what the fuck? But we, <laughs> <laughs> like, make that- <laughs> Make yeah. that cheese sandwich and laugh your ass off. <laughs> what if I put <laughs> chips on it? <laughs> Don't you um, dare turn on the stove, but you're in yeah, this house yeah. by yourself for a few hours. Um, yeah. But I think that like not having rules and help it kind of helped me and, and Millie to kind of find our way through film uh, into kind of explaining ourselves as kids. So I'm just curious about your movie viewing life as a kid, how it had an effect on who you became as an artist um, and kind of how you view films in your life now. Yeah, boy, that's, it was always, yeah, I, I, it was always profound. And it was one of those things that once it happened, I was hooked. You know, mm -hmm. the, the first movie I ever saw in a theater was Star Wars. And like, I was like three. 
and and, and like and i have such a it you talk about like core memories but like yeah. i remember i was at a in a daycare like a catholic daycare we weren't catholic but there was run by nuns and i remember just talking about it so much one of the nuns told me to shut up <laughs> Holy and, shit. and i remember thinking she's just mad because she's not going to get to go see star wars <laughs> The Lord won't let her. Yeah, but it was just like a permanent, <laughs> permanent crease, like in the tablecloth, you know. Um, and 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 we we moved every year and a half, two years. So I think there's a lot of loneliness mm -hmm. that the movies filled, you know. And you know, I would, yeah, it just it was it was a constant, constant kind of kind of presence. And then, you know, I was always drawing or trying to like you know remember like dot matrix printer paper oh yeah like i would i would tear off one side of the of the holes and separate the pages and i would draw like comics and then use yarn and sew it through the oh my holes God. to make like a bind like binding wow and would like but i called them movies i would give them to oh here's my new movie yeah. you know what i mean how old were you so, when you were doing that um now, second, third grade, so like Holy six, seven, shit. seven, eight, somewhere in there. So you had like the visual language of film was already in you. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you're like this. This is it. This is, I don't know how to actually put it on the yeah the words video and pictures, screen. man. I'm gonna do something with words and pictures, and and I really see like editing was huge. That sort of knowing that 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 feeling of like oh, I'm understanding a thing that I don't know what that thing is, mm -hmm. but look at this and look at that and how do you do this and i loved when a movie trusted me to be at least as smart as the people making it and like to put it together in my head you know yes. or like the first time i saw once upon a time in the west and like the scene where they come up with the plan is not in the movie yep they get to the point where they're like all right we got to make a plan and then they're executing the plan and it feels like, oh my God, he, he betrayed him. What's going on? What I, uh... And then realizing, oh, it's the plan and how great it was that I didn't have to sit around and watch them talk about the thing that's going to happen. Yes. They just oh. did it, right? And like, so I was able to kind of retroactively see that's what I was responding to. And like, that's comics, yeah. like in a nutshell, comics is all elision and, and what's the bare minimum that you can, you know, so... That, right. for whatever reason, like, spoke to the way my, my head works and the way I process stuff. I love that you developed that so early on in life because it feels it feels innate um, yeah. to read your work that way. And I think that's how you develop a voice is that you trust and know yourself first. Uh, so yeah. I love that that's how that nuns, yell, nuns yelling at you, dot matrix printers and filling in space with your own story. That's it. That's in a nutshell. Yeah, that's it. That's really, that's, that's, we put it down to a tight 10. That's it. That's, yeah. yeah. That's a great Rubik's cube of information right there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Millie, do you, I know, do you have any questions? Because Millie, I don't know if you know Matt, but she created TCM Underground. I, and... I am a, I was a big fan and I'm sorry oh, that you. you were let go and that uh, uh, I watched a lot of TCM and I watched a lot of your work on TCM. Uh, and uh, it, it, it broke my heart that, the, the, that you're not there. I, I have a TiVo in a box full of things I recorded off of TCM Underground back when I still had TiVo that I haven't gotten rid of because I don't know how to get the movies off of the box and I don't know yeah. if they're available. Like, it's like that level of... <laughs> Like I'm keeping old tech. 
That's how much I liked Underground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. You're, you and my my friend Ben, who is also a programmer at TCM, are literally the only people that still have a TiVo. And <laughs> he st- his is still in use. He actually still uses his TiVo, and we make fun of him for it. But I... Uh, <laughs> I love that you have all those movies because to be honest with you, like if some of that stuff is not available, so, mm-hmm. you know, keep that TiVo. I, when, when working in motion graphics animation, we did a gig for Fox movie channel, which was their, yeah. which was the 20th century Fox Turner. Yes. And I, my, my pitch was, Oh, we're going to, I'm going to cut together a trailer using like all of the, as many movies in the library as I can. Mm-hmm. And it's full of like trailer cliches and it won't make sense, but we're just going to show everybody the breadth and the width. And, you know, it was like a lawyer with nothing to lose, a woman on the edge and a dog with a heart of gold must fight a volcano on the moon or whatever. <laughs> but like, yeah. so I was, they sent me their list of these are all of the movies and a bunch of the movies. And I got like the, um, oh fuck. It was like a, a format up from SVHS like yeah. quarter tape, you know, yeah. like they were the big, but like I got like, um, I insisted that I needed the quarter inch tape of Alex and the Gypsy, which mm-hmm. is like the Jack Lemon, uh, 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 Genevieve Bougeot or like, uh, he's a private detective and she's, a uh, may or may not be it's like, it's like, it's like, uh, Jack Lemon gets to wear a shoulder holster and he's got a mustache. <laughs> Uh, you know, and it was like, I just, record, and I would just make boots of those movies that they yeah. just, Fox is never going to put this out ever again. And like, I just still have like video tapes of, oh. yeah, this Fox job that we took. And they're like, yeah. oh, there's no I, Alex and the Gypsy footage. I thought you said you needed that tape. Like, yeah, it just didn't work out in the edit. I'm sorry. Oh, I just had to have it for myself. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> here's, here's how big of a, of a, of a nerd I am. I would scrub through the schedule as far out as the schedule would let me scrub. And like, I always loved it when you could tell like, uh, oh, the programmer is bored and is playing a game. Here. Oh yes. Every every movie they're showing today has the word dog in the title. Oh, that's or, me to a fucking, you yeah. read me to filth. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. like, I would do that shit all the time. Loved it. I, I was there for like 19 it. years. So after a while you're like, fuck, I can't think of another idea. Yeah. You know, cause every single moment of the channel is a theme. So yes. you're like, oh God, I ran out of themes today. Like, what's it going to be? It's like, oh, everybody, uh, this is like, every, smoke is in the title or something, <laughs> right, you know, like right, right, a word right. or like, you know. But that's just a fun game. Yeah. Always fucking delighted me. Yeah, yeah it's, it's <laughs> you know, as, as uh, you know, you have this 24 hour channel, you got to think of ideas. But um, I wanted to ask, actually, I did want to ask this. So a friend of mine, Jeff Buchanan, who's an editor, he, I just talked to him on the phone the other day and, you know, he has kids. Uh, I'm not sure how old your kids are, but. Um, 15 and 13. Oh, okay. So yeah, roughly around the same age as his kids. And he was like, you know, he was a, a guy I went to film school with and he was talking about how he is delighted that his kids are kind of naturally moving towards like art house films. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they live in LA, so they have a lot of access to, you know, cool movies, but that, you know, as a parent, he was worried that they wouldn't be into like good stuff, but mm-hmm. that his his son in particular is like just randomly is like, hey, can we go watch Knife in the Water at the yeah, Cinematheque yeah, yeah. or whatever? And he was like, you know, crying in the car alone after <laughs> you know, he was like so happy that his his kid is kind of naturally becoming like a cinephile. And I was wondering, is that something that you've experienced or like what are your kids into or like 
how do you, how do you you know process being a film fan knowing that you have yeah. kids and maybe that you hope that they will also be film fans yeah i i had this like understanding i think it maybe it's just my own understanding of how oppositional <laughs> defiance disorder expresses itself in me <laughs> but i was always really careful not to foist stuff on my kids because i knew they will reject it and like right. and and every time i've tried it's happened right mm-hmm. but like I, you know i had you know at one point like four or five david bowie shirts and i remember one night giving the kids baths and they were like who's that guy on your shirt you have all those shirts with that guy who's david <laughs> bowie and i was like oh don't worry about it he's He's a, he's a singer, whatever. You'll, and it's not important. Don't mm. worry about it. But then, of course, they went and found it. And now I've got, you know, kids that can sing the whole catalog. Wow. Oh, sneaky. <laughs> a little, that. you know, but just that, that like, you know, it's got to be a program of attraction, not promotion. And yeah. uh, it's my, my daughter is funny like an adult and has yeah. always been funny like an adult. So it's, it's tough to remember she is in fact 13, but she also kind of likes what she likes Mm -hmm. and that's it and has to be the one to grow what she's looking. Like Mm -hmm. any kind of, she, uh, Moby Dick is my favorite book. She asked me yesterday on the way to camp, why do you like Moby Dick so much? And I was like, like. How much time you got kid? (laughs) Well, but also I don't want to make this radioactive to you. Right. right. So I try, you know, so I, I stopped just short of saying like, let me read you a chapter so you can hear it, you know, but like, right. like, it's just like, so, so she's very, it's interesting though. My, my son, two summers back, you know, last summer I was shooting all summer, the summer before it looked like the world was opening up. I took my son to see Raiders of the Lost Ark. And then we went to go see the Sparks brothers and then Delta hit. And it was like, okay, it's another summer inside. Uh, <laughs> oh, so God. I, but we really enjoyed going to the movies. So I, I put just zillions of movies on little pieces of paper, put them in a fishbowl. And we decided as a project, we're going to pull one out every night and watch one. So we watched a movie every night of summer vacation. Mm-hmm. Um, and this summer we're, we're, we're doing it again, but we've got the wheel of genre. We spin the wheel of genre and, and then we, we pick a movie accordingly. Um, so he's, but it's interesting. You know, he really... Something you know, he he loved Saturday. He loved Saturday Night Live, and when we wa- we watched something the first summer, and he recognized Wes Anderson style from the from Reese Davies uh, the the parody Wes Anderson horror movie. He was like, "Oh, oh this is God. like that SNL sketch," mm-hmm. and yeah. and so he he really developed a taste for Wes and Wes Anderson because he recognizes the style and how different it is from everyone else. Mm. And then, like, a couple nights ago, we watched John Wick. And, like, I mean, that's just great. But mm. afterwards, we were talking, and, like, he basically backed into, like, what mise-en-scene is. What? Yeah. He was describing, the thing I really liked about it was this, and it was this, and it was this. It's like, yeah, buddy, that's that's mise-en-scene. You've just invented French uh, film criticism. Oh, yeah. um, oh my God. But yeah, so like now we're we're watching these movies and then afterwards he'll be like, you know, we 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 went to go see Indiana Jones last night and the compare and contrast is really noteworthy. Yeah. And just that, Rangers, so it's, yeah. it's, yeah, it's just kind of cool watching him put this stuff together. All I'm, I'm kind of just putting stuff out there and yeah. hoping he sparks to it, you know, and it's it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, that that's so smart. 
Yeah, that's that's actually amazing because I I do I remember being a kid and watching I was really into like sketch comedy and stuff like <laughs> SNL and Kids in the Hall and I re- and I remember like watching episodes of Kids in the Hall and like hearing references that like the fly when mm-hmm. that that skit about the fly and I was like what is the fly that's a movie huh and then I'd want to go research the fly or like even with bands like. David Foley yeah, is wearing a Smith's t-shirt. I'm like, what band is that? And would go and research it. So it's almost that thing where you're like, oh, here's this like kid thing or this kind of like non-film thing that is influencing like yeah. subsequent research for other, yeah. you know, higher yeah. brow things. So yeah, he's, he's, he's really aware too. He'll, he'll talk about um, cultural osmosis. Like he doesn't really care for Indiana Jones. And he goes, but I think a big part of it is just, I know so much of it already from, we sat down to watch Temple of Doom for the first time and he literally folded his arms across his chest and went, well, the problematic sequel. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, but he's like, oh no, I just know so much of what's gonna happen from gifts. Even from like the Simpsons and like memes right. and shit. Like they they grew up with this, this cultural literacy that we just did not have. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. they're I, smart, they're smart, they're smart kids. like. I think, you know, you could say that about a wide swath of teenagers, that they're just a little bit smarter than we probably mm. were. But your mm. kids in particular are very smart. <laughs> yeah, and, it's a bummer. Uh, it's a real fucking bummer. <laughs> oh, you're, you're doomed. You got like two more years before you can't answer any more questions. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, no, it's, doomed. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but I do, I love that. And I love when you post, you know, the last summer and, and posting like, you know, we're, we're watching this and we're watching this yeah. movie together and just kind of knowing that, there's something too about kids who are raised around art or with artists and sometimes Mm -hmm. they rebel against it. So it's nice that um, between you and Kel both, like you've been able to, I think, give them space to be who they are, but also kind of say like, we're into this kind of stuff too. (laughs) So maybe. Yeah. And and it's, it's, you know, I think we see so much of ourselves in them rightly or wrongly that like, you know, you just remember that, like, all right, I have to be curious and I have to be interested, but I also have to be invited. Yes. You know? So how do you balance it? Like, well, tell me, read me something, show me your work. Like, that's the worst. That's uncomfortable. That's not good. But yet, you know, so there's like this, yeah, yeah. And they're just sponges. They're just fucking sponges. They absorb everything, you know? Yes. And the, the, the invitation, I think, is there because you, because of who you are as a person, who, who right. Kel is as a person that you know, you kind of, from your own experience, recognize that, you know, there are some things that I think I needed to keep to myself so that I could become a person. And mm-hmm. I think that it's That's nice. That's a good way that, to put it. Yeah. Well, I think, well, but I, but I do see, I see it with, with your kids. Like they're, they're very much their own people, but mm-hmm. they absolutely are interested and curious about the world. And I think that that is a sign of, to me, that's a mark of like supreme parenting because there's yeah. not m- much more you can hope for. Yeah. Um, and I want to... I, I'm glad you answered that because we have a lot of people who, who a lot of our listeners ask us about kids stuff and kids. Yeah, movies, yeah, that's and I'm like, weird. It's really I'm like weird. I don't know, man. The, <laughs> like we watched the, everything. <laughs> although the 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 lady, the I don't know when this is going to air, but she's like a she was a teacher. Uh, she's a teacher and she's got a two year old and it was uh, yes uh, musicals. 
musicals. Music- oh. Fred, what, Fred and Ginger, uh, uh, Singing in the Rain, Stanley Don and classic musicals. That's great. Easy. Put it on. Kids will Do love it. Do not put on Hereditary. Put on Don't musicals. put on Hereditary. Put on Singing in the Rain. Or put on <laughs> Singing in the Rain and then go watch Hereditary on your phone or on your computer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, oh, that was, I was so like talking, smart. I was you know, talking back to the iPhone while I was listening to that episode. <laughs> singing in the rain, singing in the rain, show singing in the rain. That is smart. Thank you for answering you that, go, uh, that listener question from, from way back. But, um, yeah. but yeah, I also, I want to know, um, because we have a little game that we like to play on our show um, that we used to play as children and now have made it very film oriented. Mm-hmm. And so we've crafted a very special fuck Mary kill just for you. Mm-hmm. And our first we have two rounds and our first round is related to the monsterverse mm-hmm. um because I know that you have experience with the monsterverse as a viewer and creator. Yeah. And uh I'm just curious and I also want to know how Millie is going to answer these questions. Mm-hmm. So are you ready to play fuck Mary kill with us? You know it. I'm born born ready. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Our first uh, round. Uh, uh, my my <laughs> answers do not in any way reflect the opinions <laughs> or corporate positions of Apple TV, Legendary Studios, or Toho Studios, <laughs> or my family, or my ancestors, or <laughs> yeah, yeah, just, just this is not canonical. I just want every I just MonsterVerse fans, Godzilla fans, Kong fans, movie oh, fans. Yeah. This is not canonical. Yeah, we can we can change this at any point in time. We we re- we reserve the right to change our minds on who we would fuck, marry, or kill right, right, um, right. in this first round because our our options are Gamera, Mothra, and Godzilla. And our guest goes first, so fuck, marry, kill Gamera, Mothra, Mothra. Godzilla. Well, you know, little little franchise blasphemy, Gamera and and Godzilla. Gamera being, um, they're not in the, they're in the universe. They're not in the, they're, they're in the Kaiju universe. They're not in the yeah, same. Yes, uh, yeah. Yeah. Conceptual franchise. universe. Just, you know, wanted, wanted, uh, um, all right. So I think kill has got to be Godzilla. <gasps> and here's why you don't need that drama. <laughs> True. It would kill be him like, as you're playing Mary J. Blige. You just don't need to, like, it's just, it's, it would be lot. like being with someone who everywhere you went ran into an ex. You don't need it. You don't need it. Or like the gunslinger, you know, that tries to retire and then all the other young gunslingers like, oh, I hear you're a fuck boy. Well, I'm a pretty much, I'm a big fuck boy myself. I don't need it. I don't need the drama. <laughs> Even though canonically Godzilla is unkillable for the state, for the reason of this game. I like, you know, Godzilla is the one I would take off the board. Beautiful. Um, now I'm really intrigued. Yeah. Okay. So I think. Okay. Well, I think. Fuck. You. You gotta go from. I would say Mothra. Uh, <laughs> boundless. Uh, anima. Boundless female energy. Nurturing, caring, loving, supporting. You know, I think it's. Uh, I think. I think that's that's the relationship that you 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 enter a boy and you exit a man. I think Mothra <laughs> would be the one to show you what it means to be tender, what it means to be vulnerable, what it means to be generous and giving, and also what a gift it is to receive love. And and I think oh Mothra would would really, I think, be the the one that your therapist would be like, whatever happened to Mothra? <laughs> right. 
was a good relationship for you. Yeah. And then and then I say <laughs> and then I say Mary because marriage suggests, you know, happily ever after and kids and Gamera is a friend and protector to children everywhere. So it's just I think that's, that's that would solid. be my that would be my that's my rationale anyway. That is solid yeah. and the highest level FMK that we've probably done so far. <laughs> Like, and beautiful answers. And Millie, hey, hey, I got to hear yours though. What are your? Are you oh yeah, to Millie, to I cannot now? wait to hear your answer. <laughs> okay, okay. Because we have different approaches. Uh, I think I changed my answer at the last minute, but here <laughs> <No>. we go. <laughs> and no funny stuff. No threesome. No, 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 no. Yeah, no alternate rules. We're no not alternate doing. She, Millie says it's, it's a kaiju polycule. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> no kaiju polycules. Millie loves to throw in a. a, a Time travel, just straight up. <laughs> or Danielle likes to kill everyone. She's done, she did that last time. We had an FNK. She just decided to kill all three. Okay, this is what I'm going to go with. I'm going to fuck Gamera. Oh. Uh, I, he looks like he knows how to party. I don't know. <laughs> he does the spinny thing. You yeah. know, he does the that spinny thing. It is a surprise. Da- it would be like being with someone for a couple months and then finding out they're an amazing dancer. Yes. Ama- yes. yes. <laughs> Incredible. Incredible. Yes. And and considering that he, he was like, I don't know, like a, a Godzilla ripoff, maybe he has something to prove. Maybe that would do mm. something in the bedroom. I don't know. Mm. We'll, we'll TBD. But that's who I'm going with for the F. Now, I'm definitely, definitely marrying Mothra. <laughs> I I am... Ready to be in a long-term lesbian relationship with her. I'm like ready to move to like we could have our like ghost ranch type thing in like the American Ooh. Southwest where we just like live together and paint and you know we're just very happy. So that's <laughs> that's who I'm marrying. And then that that means we got to kill Godzilla. And Damn, I'm pretty you much too? yeah, pretty much for the same reasons that Matt ironed out. Like you know you don't need you don't that need drama. It. And and so, you you famously you're not about that mouth. That's why you no. killed Chucky. Ooh. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You can't handle anyone's got that mouth, and he would always be fucking spouting off, for Loud sure. Loud mouths are not my not my thing, for sure. So, yeah, that's my those are my answers now. Danielle. Wild. Well, I'm fucking Godzilla. <laughs> Straight up. I'm fucking Godzilla, <laughs> and it's a real fucking run. He's, I'm going to fuck him, and he's going to walk right into the ocean, and goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> That's my C's 100% right now. Like, just, <laughs> bye. Go to the ocean. Yep, keep just shooting fire. Okay, cool, bye. And I feel like the drama could be contained in, like, a one-fuck situation. Mm. Mm-hmm. But that means... So it'd have to be like, it's like you're you're on business in Tokyo overnight. Completely. There's a, there's a giant thunder lizard at the end of the bar. He sends <laughs> you over a drink. You're like, you know what? I got a plane. I got a flight to catch at 9 a.m. When am I ever going to be back in Tokyo? Let's make some stories happen. Yeah. <laughs> let's rack up some stories. Let's do some karaoke. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's up the body count and see what happens. Absolutely. You know, he's into barbecue. Like, like fucking take this <laughs> raw lamb and make me a dinner. Just make me dinner. Let's fuck. Goodbye. Walk into the fucking sea. <laughs> I'm into it. But that yeah. means I have to kill Gamera. Sure. Even though he's gentle and sweet. Because I would absolutely marry Mothra. Yes. For all the reasons laid out. Like Mothra, you get a nest. Who doesn't want to live a in cocoon. a nest? A cocoon. A cocoon. Let's just go into a cocoon for 200 years. Uh, you get to just be enveloped and like hugged for 200 years. You marry mm. that person. You marry that thing, that monster. Mm-hmm. So yeah, fuck Godzilla, kill Gamera, unfortunately, and marry Mothra. Wow. 
And this is how we learn a lot about each other. That's right. And we're going to learn even more in this next round. Because this was tougher. This was tougher. This one's a little tougher. Um, this is from the uh, the files of. There are a lot. There are a lot to take these these ones <laughs> these these folks. But I want to know who you're going to fuck, marry, or kill. Dai Su from Old Boy, <laughs> Anton Chigger from No Country for Old Men, or Yuda from The Raid Redemption. Hmm. <laughs> Matt, our guest goes first. Um. Fuck, I'm going to say Yuda. Okay. Because I think that's a, I think that is an adventure in aerobics. <laughs> I think that's an, an adventure in athleticism. I think, I think that's a, a real, you know, if you're sitting in the first two rows, you will get wet. Uh, Absolutely. Kind of, um, <laughs> you're holding, hold, holding onto the mattress for dear life. If you even stay on the mattress. If there's even a mattress. A if there's even a mattress, right. This might be just, you're going to destroy a bathroom somewhere. Uh, <laughs> But I think it's, I think that's the, when you're thinking, I think it's the definition of sport fucking. Beautiful. Um, and, and I know that I'm going to leave it all out on the field and I'm going to get demolished. I know I'm going to be like the, uh, the, the Washington generals and uh, facing the uh, 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 fucking Harlem Globetrotters of, of, of Sacramento. Um, Electrolytes will be had. Rest, oh, yeah, vacation yeah, days yeah, will yeah. be taken. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just, just walking like you got beat up the next day. <laughs> Um, Mary, Mary, I'm going to say Daisu from old boy, I think because he's shown he's dedicated, he's devoted, <laughs> he commits, he really commits, he commits. um, and every now and again, he's going to fuck 80 guys up in a hallway with a hammer. <laughs> Look, I don't know what your building is like where you live. Some apartment buildings need that. Yeah. Yeah, and better to need, need it, and better to have it and not need it than need it and not have it. Like a tool in a fucking tool case. I, I love it. The first it. time I I was in New York making, I don't remember if it was, I made a video with Kanye West, and I made a bunch of HP commercials that took me to New York for for two extended periods. One of those two, I can't remember which, but I bought a bootleg of Old Boy while I was there and watched oh. it. And when that scene happened, I just started running around my little <laughs> rented apartment screaming. Like it was, I just like, ah! <laughs> just, yeah. They're, they're oh doing God, a, a 25th anniversary reissue yeah. um, this month, because this comes out in August, um, this month. And I have never seen it on a big screen. I've only seen it on bootlegs and rentals and stuff like that. Um, and I don't know that I can see it in public for that exact reason. I think I'd be way too excited. Yeah, yeah. Way too excited. Um, I showed Henry the the hallway fight. <gasps> what did um, he think? Oh, he loved it. He was just oh. like, "Oh my god!" And that guy's old. I'm like, "Yeah, <laughs> yeah." He's still got some tricks in the old bag. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so great. All right, yeah. I'm with it. I'm, I'm and then down. kill and then I'm killing Anton Sugar, who has you know by his very nature is is uh, capricious and cruel and random and inevitably uh, you know. You, the the coin's gonna come up the wrong side, and for no good reason, someone's gonna ruin brunch. So I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't need that. And fuck that, fuck that weird Prince Valiant haircut. Thank you. Henry really wants to see that. That like he's he's asked. That's that's that's. Oh yeah. He's really, and I'm like, you know, it's it's heavy. You know, like it's, yeah. It's he's like, yeah, no, no, I get it, I get it. Like, but he's 
He's really intrigued by No Country, so I'm I'm sure Ooh. we're gonna watch that this summer. We'll see. And how would, it goes would that over. be one that you you watch and then like have a discussion after, or is he well, always yeah, down yeah. to talk about it? Or I mean, we we tend to discuss afterwards, kind of anyway. You know, he's also like he's not super into like bummers. Yeah. That's you know, cool. um, uh, like we, we started to watch the lodge the other day and got about 15 minutes in and had to nope out. Cause it's oh, like wow. mom suicide and crying kids and a funeral. And it's like, uh, yeah. not our kind of horror, you know? That's really, um, I mean, again, to me, unsurprising because I think kids are born who they are. And, and Henry Leo's always been yeah. truly the most tender and kind person. He's the most emotionally intelligent person I've ever met. Yeah. Truly. Really? Like it's, just, it's just as if you were born with his heart outside of his body. Like oh. it just, it's, it's, but like, so we did that for 15 minutes and I was like, all right, we got to, uh, and then I put, and then I'm going to watch my favorite year. I love these answers. All right, Millie, you're up. Yeah. yeah. Um, Lay okay. it on us. I, I hate to copy you, Matt, but my answers are down the line. Exactly. The same. What? Yes. Any and different I, reasons. Well, Here's the thing. I've actually not seen the Raid movie. Which I still remember? can't believe. Yes. For all the years we've been friends, I cannot believe that. Uh, so I I just Googled him and was like, <laughs> yes, he, he is the F. He is the F choice. Based on these photos that I'm seeing on Google image search with he's he's got a giant sword and a... <laughs> like, <laughs> and here's the, best thing, the best thing about the Raid is when you watch it and you're done with all of that raiding know that there is a raid too because there is still more raiding there's always more raiding these people never go away there's always someone to raid yeah yeah Uh, yeah. well i i'm down with that i can get with that yeah those are good answers and like the thing about desu i haven't seen old boy in a long time like it's been a while um i definitely want to see the reissue or whatever's coming out the anniversary but yeah, that's a that's a marriage for me. I could definitely do that. And then of course we all have to kill Anton because just the creepy haircut. Like I just I actually just Googled him again too, because I was like, is that haircut as bad as I think it is? I'm like, no, it is. One hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm about to ruin some some lives and break some Ooh. hearts here. <laughs> Let's um, go. I'm fucking Desu. And I'll give you only one reason. Octopus scene. The way that man goes to town on a live octopus, I'm gonna have some fucking fun. Why, why buy the cow when you get the octopus for free? I mean, truly, (laughs) truly, he just put it all on the table there, and I'm like, let's see what else. Not just the table, not just the table. (laughs) I'm gonna fuck him. I am going to marry Anton Chigger from No Country for Old Men, and here's why. Here's why. He travels a lot. Yeah, Is that he's why? Man, he's out of, yeah, he's good. Yeah, he's the gone man's the never time. there. He's gone all the time. He <laughs> takes his it. fucking bolt gun and he's out. And he comes <laughs> back and I'm like, who'd you kill? What'd you do? What's going on? Why is, can we cut that hair? Can we can we cut that hair now? It's 2023. <laughs> but he is gone. I never have to see him. So why not marry him? I knew you know that's my jam. I'm very comfortable in a marriage in these scenarios where I never have to really interact. That's why I would marry Freddy Krueger. He's always in dreams. Yeah. <laughs> Right? He's gone. <laughs> Good morning, bitch. <laughs> and then he comes back and I have to deal with his like shaky oh, green hi, impression. Freddy. How's your day? <laughs> Fine, bitch. <laughs> I, got, I got called to jury duty, bitch. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> 
Freddy Krueger on jury duty is 100% the sketch I need to see. I work nights, bitch, uh, Your Honor. <laughs> You're on. <laughs> I'm going to marry that creep. I'm marrying that creep just because he's gone. I don't yeah. want to interact with him. I don't want to procreate with him. I don't want to have children with him. I don't want him in my house a lot. But uh, that's why I'm going to marry him. He'll bring home a little bit of cash and some weird stories. And then he'll be gone before I even get creeped out. Which means, unfortunately, I have to kill Yuta from the raid, mm. which will be impossible, obviously. But what a good fight. Yeah, you'll right? have a spectacular death scene. Yeah. I, I mean, it will be unparalleled. <laughs> and that's, that's really the dream, right? You either want to die peacefully in your sleep. Yes. Or at the end of a nine minute stunt spectacular set piece. <laughs> that like... Eight stunt guys had to shoot somewhere with real lack safety laws. <laughs> Either Listen. way, to die in one piece quietly or a thousand pieces very loud. Yes. Very loudly. I've already had this train. discussion with my grandma. She's in a nursing home and I'm like, look, when, it, when the time comes, and she's like, yeah, wheel me out, give everyone a weapon and just wheel me down like a soul train line. And we'll see what happens. I'm like, that's the way to go. That's what oh. I want. Soul train <laughs> line of old people and weapons. The Yusha train. <laughs> Luam Don Cornelius. Shink. Shink. <laughs> I think that's something Tonight. I could market, honestly. I think a lot of old people want to go out that way. That's great. Like, that, is Verhovian, that is a that is a Verhovian that is a death wish right, right there. That is that is a, that is it's amazing that that's not in Robocop. Completely. <laughs> Completely. Oh, that's the only thing RoboCop is missing. We'll have to redo it. That's the only remake no. I would do is if we could remake RoboCop just to put that scene just in. Just add one. Yeah, there's just eight seconds of difference. It would be like Van Zanting Psycho. <laughs> only there's only differences. For eight seconds, we get a glimpse of a game show where they're just killing old people for sport. <laughs> Other than that, it's shot oh, for shot, God. line for line. Yeah, pretty, pretty word for word. Uh, well, this was truly a dream. Yes. <laughs> and I love it's you very much. <laughs> it's my dream come true. Um, but I just, I love you very much as a person, as a friend. I just adore you. And I want you to come back and talk with us all the time. And I just can't thank you enough for giving us some time today because you're the best. I love you too. And would do this anytime you need or want or uh, uh, fuck it. Let's just get together and play FMK and not even record it just to yeah. make each other laugh. This would be <laughs> we'll fantastic. Just, be a, just come up with some <laughs> and, FMKs while we'll hop on and Zoom. And I wasn't kidding at the top when it's like, like, literally, long time, first time. I'm I'm psyched. It's always exciting Aww. when you run the risk of ruining something you enjoy. So thank you. For <laughs> Never could happen. Never could happen. Well, thank you so much, Matt. And come back and hang out with us anytime. Deal. Okay, I love your friend, Matt. Thanks for bringing him on the show, Danielle. I know. He's truly the greatest. Like, truly... Yeah. He's much like when we were talking about his his kids, like he was born who he is. He has always been in the midst of every different career change and everything he's done. He's always been the same, which is smart and lovely and wonderful. And yeah. I'm just glad he's in my life. I'm glad he's my bud. Oh, man. I love that you guys have this like early Internet comic book history together. That makes me so happy. I, I don't you know, just knowing that. Y'all found each other in those days is uh, life affirming. So latchkey kids, nerds unite. I know. <laughs> Plus, I might have to get him to um, 
do his Freddy Krueger impression for my voicemail. Because <laughs> <laughs> that was amazing. 100%. Uh, so, he do it. He do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we're doing a thing, folks. We're doing a thing. We alluded to it at the end of last uh, episode. But so we have decided that we're going to do a bunch of movies with the term hot in them. Or, you know, the term, like, synonyms for the word hot at a certain yes. point, too. But it's for because it's month. summer. <laughs> we're doing it for the whole, we're doing a month-long theme for the first time ever. That's right. Month-long theme. Because it's summer, because we're goofballs, that's what we've decided that we're doing. And um, we truly kick it off in maybe the best way possible. Because th- these movies this week are like, I don't know, I in a way, they're kind of related because not only do they word, have the word hot in them, but they're also kind of like plays on a, like, send-ups of a genre, send-ups of yep. film, like a film, a prior film. So I just like that they're paired together. I w- actually would have never thought to pair them together beyond the name. But then when when I saw them together, I was like, oh, this makes sense. This is completely, good. Completely. Completely. Yeah. yeah, I thought the same thing when I and I watched them as a true double feature and I'm like, "Oh, this is like like the 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 spoof parody style that we grew up with and the yep. kind of spoof parody style as it's evolved." Yeah. And I I I think it's a good double feature. An an un, un, unintentionally good double feature because your original pick was not your movie. You picked That's something true. else that was not available, yeah. but then you pivoted to this beautiful perfect <laughs> double feature. <laughs> And yeah. I can't wait to talk about it. I think God opened a big window after that <laughs> door was closed. My my prior film wasn't again wasn't available, but then when this happened, I was like, "Oh, now it's perfect. Now we have the perfect <laughs> theme. Two movies that are are paired well together." So, I'm going first this week, and you I cannot are. wait to talk about this film with you. Holy shit. <laughs> Holy shit. So my movie for this theme that we're just calling hot movies, I guess. Hot, 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 hot movies. Because there's five weeks in August. I don't know. That's right. You make, <laughs> you make me hot. My movie is um, from 1991. It was written by Jim Abrams and Pat Proft. It was directed by Jim Abrams and it's called Hot Shots. They are the best the Navy and Air Force have to offer. Hot Shots exclamation point, by the way, if you want to get technical. Does Hot Pursuit also have an exclamation point? Actually, I don't know. Was that Val Kilmer one? Oh, you mean Top Secret? Top Secret, that's what I'm thinking yeah. of. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think all of the all of their movies, all of the uh, the Zazz movies have exclamation points. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty good. So it's 1991, right, when this movie came out? Let me set the scene a little bit. George H.W. Bush is the president of the United States. We are in the middle of the Persian Gulf War. We had just come off of a very big action movie decade where a movie like Top Gun was extremely popular. So all of this, I believe, sets the table for a movie like Hot Shots, the 12th highest grossing film of the year in the United States of America. Was it really? (laughs) That says so much about us as a nation. (laughs) I did the I did the math. I actually counted 
Terminator 2 Judgment Day came out that year, so I think that's that that has something to do with it. But um So Hot Shots is essentially a send-up of Top Gun, almost like end to end, really. But um it makes a lot of jokes about a lot of other movies too, like Nine and a Half Weeks, Dances with Wolves, there's a Superman reference in there, there's a Rocky reference in there. And I think we know why, because this film was directed by Jim Abrams, who was part of the famous Zucker Abrams and Zucker trio. If you don't know who they are, they made some of the most famous parody films of all time. I actually didn't know this before, you know, today, but uh, they grew up in Wisconsin together and they went to college at the University of uh, Wisconsin at Madison. And they opened a a theater company called the Kentucky Fried Theater. And that's where their first movie comes from is the Kentucky Fried movie in 1977. So if you haven't, you know, if you haven't dived into their back catalog, I mean, they made pretty much like the, you know, tent poles of modern comedy parody films. Like they did airplane top secret naked gun all with exclamation points. Mm -hmm. But Hot Shots didn't actually include the Zucker brothers. So it was just, it was just Abrams who was involved and directed it. And he actually co-wrote it uh, with this person named Pat Proft, who was a comedy writer. He had worked with the trio for many years. So it's kind of their, their baby. Um, I have not seen this film since 1991. Same. Since the Persian Gulf War was going on. <laughs> And what a marker of time. I haven't watched this since the Persian Gulf War. <laughs> exactly. And dude, and I'll tell you right now, I remember my dad rented it on VHS and he was extremely amused by all of the military things happening because my dad oh. was in the military at the time. So, of course, you know, beautiful. He loved he loved all those references. You know, this is one of those. And I, I thought this as I was watching it recently like this this morning because i think it's rare that there is a movie that is generationally funny like across the generations and when yeah. i watched this in 1991 my grandma was laughing as hard as i was yeah and that is a like a zaz specialty i think cuz they and they pa- i think that's partially because they pack the films with so many jokes Oh my visual God. jokes, sight gags. Like they're they're doing so many jokes. So if you don't like this one joke, look in the background. There's something else going on that you will laugh at. Dude, it is literal wall-to-wall sight gags. I mean, it, it, even in the beginning sequence, which the one thing I did actually appreciate about the, the opening sequence was it's very Tony Scott-esque, which, you know, Tony Scott directed Top Gun. It even has like that Tony Scott, like kind of golden hour lighting (laughs) you know with like the orange skies the like days of thunder skies the you know and i'm like they nailed it they nailed the visual look of top gun in the first like five minutes of the film right well yeah Um, if you're gonna do a, in order to do a decent spoof i think you have to really appreciate what you're spoofing you have to appreciate the genre and know a lot about it yeah 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 of course and then you have this like perfect visual parody of Top Gun. And then in the background, it's like one of the aircrafts is like parallel parking. <laughs> There's this other shot of this guy, of like a guy roasting hot dogs on one of the jet engines and shit. <laughs> like, 
more like the one of the main characters has the the Garfield with the suction cups on the inside window of the airplane. <laughs> and like the air traffic guys like doing like you know like a ballet dance and stuff and like I mean it just is so like right off the bat you're like oh yeah like this is this is like one of those movies where it's just gonna be wall to wall shit like that and I love it it's so funny also there was, there's this later scene also on the deck of the aircraft carrier where a guy comes out of an airplane with his groceries and <laughs> <laughs> cracks me up I don't know why I laughed so hard when I saw that but like well, this, this this is why I think like, oh, these movies explain what's wrong with this because what's whatever you laugh at is the reason you are the way you are today. Oh, yeah. Oh, and I will tell you, I, in just a moment, I laugh at probably, <laughs> like what really distinguishes me maybe from the rest is that anytime somebody got hit in the face, I laughed so fucking hard. <laughs> I mean, of course. Yeah. Of course. I think oh, truly one of my favorite jokes in this movie is such a throwaway and it's a billboard as you know, the main character is, is kind of zooming through a city and oh, yeah. there's a, he, he crashes through a billboard, but right before he crashes through it, I read it and I laugh every fucking, I've never laughed this hard in my life. The billboard simply says smoke. Nobody lives forever. <laughs> I, it's so dumb, but I laugh so hard because then they they cr- literally crash through their own joke. They're like, oh, was that funny? Well, wait a minute. We got something else coming in two seconds. That's going to be funny as well. I just texted it to you. I literally the only screen grab I did in the movie was that billboard. Did you really? <laughs> I swear to God. I just texted it to you because I was like, that is the funniest fucking sign ever. Oh, my God. You did. <laughs> ah! That is true mind-melding, motherfucker. Uh, I'm telling you, I, I I think we know each other very well by this point. <laughs> After 120 episodes, we know a thing or two about each other. But, um, so, okay, the Tom Cruise character, right, of Hot Shots is, his name is Topper Harley, and he's played by Charlie Sheen, okay? Now, TBH... This was like around the time, I think, where I was starting to kind of tune out of Charlie Sheen's career, right? Like, I loved him in like Major League and like Ferris Bueller's Day Off and Men at Work. Mm -hmm. But at this point, I was kind of like, I don't know, I guess sort of losing interest or losing sight of what he was doing, right? So Hot Shots was that kind of end of it. One thing I did, though, um, I forgot... And um, I only remembered when I was doing research was that prior to Hot Shots, he was in Navy Seals. Do you remember Navy Seals? Oh my lord! Barely, Which, but yes, yeah. I remember. The, I remember the cover of the video cassette. Yeah, and I remember the only other thing about Navy Seals that I remember is that joke in Clerks, where <laughs> the customer comes in and he goes, "Ooh, Navy Seals." <laughs> So, which is truly how it should be remembered in the annals of history. Oh, 100%. Maybe we'll do an ep on Navy SEALs. Who knows? Maybe not. Don't, you, Maybe don't not. you dare do it to me. Don't you dare do it to me. <laughs> I would never. So, I'll call sto- HR. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> File a complaint against me for making you watch Navy SEALs. So, okay, this Topper Harley character that's played by Charlie Sheen, right? He's, he's in this film. He's kicked out of the Navy for being a bad boy. From being a bad boy, like Lisa Vanderpump, a bad boy. 
And uh, at the at the beginning of this film, when he's introduced, he's like living with Native Americans, which is very Dances with Wolves. There's your Dances with Wolves connection right there, right? Right. And so, of course, he's there. And then his like old lieutenant commander, who is played by this actor named Kevin Dunn. And if you don't know him by name, I promise you, you have seen him in everything. He's, yes. he's been in every movie. He's like Topper, you know, it's kind of that like one last job scenario where he's like, you got to come back. We got a secret mission for you. But as per the very beginning of the film, Topper is haunted by this event that happened years prior, which is that his father, who was also a famous renegade pilot, he apparently let his co-pilot crash after their plane goes down. Like, so Topper's dad like ejects himself out of the plane, but then his co-pilot goes down it turns out, though, that his, his co-pilot survived, but then is actually shot by a deer hunter immediately after. And this is, like, a frequent joke in the film, which is that, like, a person doesn't die by, like, the first accident, but then something... That person dies because of something stupid that happens immediately after. <laughs> Classic joke, right? <laughs> the fact that he falls out of this plane... And then he just lifts himself up out of these bushes and has a perfect set of antlers like embedded in his helmet is the kind of dumb sense of humor that really did it for me when I was a kid. And now, because oh, yeah. I laughed very hard when I saw this oh, scene. I, I, absolutely. I, I honestly was like, this is primal. This is primal childhood comedy right now. But then, you know, Topper agrees to come back. And then, you know, there, he, his admiral, the admiral of this squadron is played by Lloyd Bridges, which um, uh. I had read, actually, that they had initially asked Leslie Nielsen to play this character. But that Leslie Nielsen was like, all right, I've done enough of these movies with you. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> find somebody else. And, and Lloyd Bridges... Classic movie actor. I mean, Absolutely. Who really, I mean, this is how I knew him as a kid. I didn't know he had a career before these spoof movies. Yeah. So I only knew him from like Airplane and things like that. And I knew but him as he, Jeff Bridges' dad. That's exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But he's so, there's something so funny about his countenance, like about yeah. his presence. And then when he talks, he can deliver jokes with such a deadpan force yeah, that it's even the things that are not funny become funnier because of his delivery. So I think that he is still using all of his classic movie training. Yeah, but he's bringing this movie to a different level with it. Yeah, yeah. The recurring joke about his character is that he has so many injuries from prior wars that he's basically like this animated corpse. <laughs> like he's like pulling uh, tissues through his ear holes and shit. Like. <laughs> at one point he's he's teaching a flight training class and he's like i've taken 124 flights and i've been shot down at every one of them actually i've never landed a plane and you're like what <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah he's like the so walking funny. dead at this point <laughs> and then you know from there you meet all the other pilots including this this pilot named dead meat who <laughs> it is essentially the goose character from top gun you know the anthony edwards character from top gun and I think they call him dead meat because, like Goose, he's a nice guy with a family. So, of course, he gotta die. He gotta go. <laughs> he gotta go. You also have this guy named Wash Out, who was played by John Cryer, who obviously would go on to work with Charlie Sheen in that extremely, extremely popular television show that nobody I know has watched. Not one episode. Not one ep. So, also tucked in into this crew 
is this pilot named Kowalski, and she's played by Christy Swanson. I think you know Christy Swanson. And this is interesting. So the big joke in this movie is that she's a woman. And, you know, <laughs> that's you're all like, it oh. Took. Back then, folks, that's all that's it all took. That's all it took. And, but you're also probably thinking, like, well, so what? Like, even in 1991, you're like, okay, they were women in the military. But I actually did the research on this. Women were not actually allowed on aircraft carriers until 1994. Ooh. When Congress repealed the law that prevented women from being permanently assigned to combatant ships. Okay. Damn. So in, it was an, only until 1994 where her character wouldn't have even been allowed on that aircraft carrier, technically. Right. So I guess that's why the joke is there. Because at the time they made this movie, she she wouldn't have been on an aircraft carrier. She would have yeah. been in the office filing things or something. That is so, important historical context, for real. I thought that was really interesting. But um, but here's the thing. Finally, in this squad of, of pilots, you have my man, Carrie Elwes. He is playing Topper's nemesis. He's, he's called Pirate by everybody. And he is essentially the Iceman of Top Gun, yeah. right? He is the son of Topper's dad's co-pilot that died and you find out in this extremely stupid funny scene where they're like in the barracks and they discover that that not only pirate is like the dead man's son but that washout is the son of the hunter who accidentally shot pirate's dad when he shows that picture of his dad's head mounted like a deer and then at one point, Topper's like, why are you mad at me? He ate your father. <laughs> like, they took the joke to the furthest possible ending of him eating this guy like a deer. And then, like, they they figure out that everybody in the barracks is related to each other. Which is so dumb and funny. Oh, God. It's just goofy. But I... It was, like, in this moment, I think, that I really... This movie really made me appreciate Carrie Elwes's parody movie work throughout yes. the years, right? Because I'm like, I love how he's this just like handsome. He's kind of like this like blonde Errol Flynn type who just says like the stupidest shit with this completely straight face, like, and he's done it so often in so many movies that I'm like. Why is Carrie Elwes so good at these movies? Like he's a national treasure. Yeah, he really he really is again naturally gifted in being a dramatic or dramatically trained actor who is oh. excellent at com comedy. Yeah. And physical comedy and like just the he's really evocative in that way. And I think he's he's funnier to me because yeah. he's so good looking. Like when handsome people are naturally funny, it's jarring in a different way. Yeah, I just, he's, like, I think that, you know, when, when he was presented to us in our childhood through, like, something like The Princess Bride or something, I was not as aware of how funny he was. I was just like, oh, he's just mm -hmm. hot. But then after time, especially at this point, after seeing him in so many things, I'm like, no, he's actually, like, a fucking genius, like, of that straight man, like, comedy like, I just, he's so yeah. good at this. And he's so good in this movie. But, uh, okay, so then, of course, you also have this, like, love interest of the film. Her name is Ramada. 
and she is played by Valerie Galino. <laughs> this is like a whole other scene where Topper is out riding his motorcycle one afternoon, and then he sees her like riding her horse in the distance. And the scene ends up just kind of like the two of them noticing each other, and then like subsequently trying to like outdo each other doing these like stunts. And it's so funny and dumb. Like where she's like doing like, you know, she's like doing like a gymnast routine on one of the branches. <laughs> and then she like lands perfectly in the saddle of her horse. So, it's so, so it's dumb. That so he's standing on one leg on his motorcycle yes. and like just waving. And you're like, what is going, what is the, it's so, oh God, it's so ridiculously funny. Yeah. But Ramada, so it turns out Ramada is not only the Navy psychiatrist, but she's also romantically involved with pirates. So, you know, it's complicated, as you can imagine. But, of course, her and Topper get together at some point, and they have this, like, very famous sex scene, which involves food, which is a send-up of nine and a half weeks, right? And I think everybody remembers, because I think this was actually in the trailer for Hot Shots, if I'm not mistaken, but there's a part where Charlie Sheen puts an olive in valerie galino's belly button and then it pops out and it shoots right into her mouth still grosses me out to this day i I know it's so horrible so gross but apparently that that was no trick like the the like that olive flew into her mouth or something like it was really there was no cgi olive but there was fishing wire (laughs) there was fishing line back then I'm, i'm i'm i think valeria galino was probably skilled enough to catch it, but yes. Yeah. But uh, there were that no was tricks back then. No, no, no practical facts, no CGI. What I love about this scene too is again, they keep ramping up the humor. So at one point he cracks an egg on her stomach and it starts sizzling because she's so hot. And then he puts bacon down. Yes, that is funny. What sends me over the top is when he puts a little pile of hash browns <laughs> on her stomach. And I'm like, they just keep going. You know what I need? I need like some, some like bespoke, like Blu-ray re-release company to do like a special feature where we get the whole rundown of how they shot that scene. Cause I was thinking this when I was watching it again, I was like, did they make a griddle that looked like someone's (laughs) belly? Because how is that shit sizzling on, like, it's sizzling. It's cooking on her belly. And that's the joke, right? But I'm like, how did they actually create that? Like, I think, was it fake smoke? Like, they could put the food on, then just put, like, fake smoke on her body or dry ice or something. I don't know. Yeah, I, I want to know. I To me, in my mind, I'm like, oh, they had somebody in the props department make a fake a grill. <laughs> Like a, like a skillet that looks like someone's belly. Can we call this episode Skin Griddle? Yes, we definitely can. <laughs> so somebody's in their workshop being like, oh, we got to make this skillet flesh colored <laughs> or whatever. This is your chorus line moment. I know it is my chorus line moment. I need to go on a YouTube hole and have somebody explain it to me. But I would love I the also- information. If anyone I also knows. love how uh, when Topper and Ramada are meeting in an elevator at one point, or when they first meet up, um, you know, it's kind of like flirty, flirty. And at one point he says, oh, no, no, like, you've been slaving over hot psychotics all day. Again, I don't know why that makes me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> but like, 
he has no idea what her job is. And he's like, oh, no, no, you don't have to press that button. You've been sleeping over hot psychotics all day. (laughs) (laughs) There's also this scene, there's like this moment, this like throwaway line where he's like, he's trying to get into her apartment so they could have this like food sex. And she apparently has this like really nosy landlady. And uh, he, and she's like, come on in. And he's like, well, what about your landlady? And she was like, oh, you could just do her too. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> so dumb. I swear to God. I, uh, but you know, the other thing about Ramada's character is like, she has this scene where she's like, it's kind of like the famous piano bar scene in Top Gun where she gets on the piano and sings a song, which I read is a, is kind of a, a send up of the fabulous Baker boys, which yes. I feel like that movie needs to be talked about again. Cause it was such a huge deal when it came out at, when I was growing up. I don't know if you remember this movie yeah, with Michelle Pfeiffer and the bridges boys. Yeah, a- absolutely. There you go. The connection right there. But it's like that, that movie I think was like, I just remember everybody talking about it and, I obviously thought it was for adults, so I was like very curious to watch it. <laughs> I wasn't like people. People were easily titillated in the eighties. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the eighties uh, and early nineties. But that scene is really, really funny. But look, I, that scene kills me. Kills there's, me. There's a lot of references, obviously, but there's also a lot of physical comedy, which I think mostly plays still. I think it's actually. That physical comedy stuff is really funny, like people falling in holes and shit. But again, I I don't know why I laugh so hard when people get comedically <laughs> hit in the face. Like it just maybe it's like a tension thing. But like there's like this part where they put dead meat in the back of this ambulance and they're like oh, knocking God. his head in the door because they're trying to like <laughs> shove him in there. And I swear to God, I laughed like a fucking maniac. I was like in my mid forties alone <laughs> laughing at this guy getting his head slammed by a door. <laughs> I, and I say, look, don't even question where it comes from. The fact that it makes you laugh is enough. It yes. is so like, again, we find these things that we, we latch onto them and it's primal and we can't help it. This is one of those movies. And when you, when you switch to this movie, I was like, is this going to hold up? It fucking holds up and then, yeah. like, it makes me laugh from start to finish. It yeah. is 100% one of those films, like, like you said, it's just innate. Yeah, it it holds up even in spite of the fact that this, this movie is also very 1991. Like, there's a Saddam Hussein impersonator. There's, like, a, a cameo from, like, Charles Barkley and Bill Lambeer, like, yeah. which I appreciated as a basketball fan. I was like, oh, this is so funny. But then there's also, like, an actual audio clip of, George H.W. Bush saying his famous, like, read my lips, no new taxes line. Oh right? So there's, like, even in spite of the, like, current political sound bites that make it, like, super of the era, it's still funny and dumb as shit, and I loved it. Like, I was like, you know what? What a summer movie, like, to just put on and just, you know, lay around and completely giggle and, you know, that kind of stuff. Anyway, that I, I was glad to have revisited it because it had been... Truly since 1991. I hadn't seen it, so. Oh, same. I'm so glad you picked it. It is, it was delightful. <laughs> like, I truly did not, I, I didn't know what was going to happen because there are some movies from my childhood that do not hold up at all. 
And I thought, oh, well, this is, is this going to be one of those where like the jokes are old? But I think, again, because of the visuals and the nonstop way they pack it full of jokes, it will yeah. never get old. You will always find something to laugh at in Hot Shots or Definitely. Hot Shots Part Deux. Part Deux. Man, we're going to have to do a Part Deux <laughs> at some point. Yeah. Next year's Hot, 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 Hot theme month. We can start it out with Part Deux. Well, my choice for hot movies was released in 2007. The screenplay is by Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg. It was directed by Edgar Wright. My movie is Hot Fuzz. Do you ever fired two guns whilst jumping through the air? No. Do you ever fired one gun whilst jumping through the air? No. Oh, God. This is another movie that references a lot of other films, has a lot of great cameos. It's purely funny. This is the, the second movie in the Cornetto trilogy, which is Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and The World's End. I think as we talked about before a little bit that Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg worked together um, on Spaced and they've worked together since they were, you know, young men. And I think their styles kind of developed together, like their comedy styles developed together. So there's a lot in this movie that you can recognize as an Edgar Wright film or as a Simon Pegg film. So his jokes, Edgar's visuals, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, kind of the quick shots back and forth and, and the deadpan jokes are on fire in this film. And the reason that the Cornetto trilogy, if you're not familiar with what that is, the reason that they call it the Cornetto trilogy is there's, there is an ice cream brand called Cornetto yes. in the UK. And apparently at the Shaun of the Dead after party, they gave out free Cornettos, which were mentioned in the film. Mm-hmm. And um, each, each movie has a different flavor. So Shaun of the Dead was strawberry. Hot Fuzz uses the blue Cornetto, which is like a chocolatey almond thing and then in world's end it's mint chocolate chip so they gave out these free cornettos and edgar wright mentioned them in hot fuzz hoping to get more free ice cream and it didn't work but they did get free ice cream for the world's end so that's why it's called the cornetto trilogy Mm. and there are a lot of shared themes in the trilogy and again like in that kind of universe so there's the theme of twins um there's this one gag where one of the characters is always trying to jump over a fence and it either goes really great or really poorly. (laughs) But it is. I love seeing that gag in each of these films. I wait for it. It's so funny. And they use a lot of the same actors. So in this film, uh, Bill Nighy, Martin Freeman, and Patty Considine are in all three of the Cornetto trilogy films. And this movie just has great cameos in general. Like there's, you know, the main character just broke up with his girlfriend, Janine, and she's a crime scene investigator. So you never see her face. You only see her eyes. But Janine is played by Kate Blanchett. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> and then there's also a scene where they're describing uh, Nicholas Angel, the primary character, like how good he is at being a cop. And he gets stabbed in the hand by a Santa Claus. And that Santa Claus is pay- played by Peter Jackson. Wow director um, and producer. And also, since we just recently covered this film, Joe Cornish, who directed Attack the Block, is one of the other crime scene investigators. So they kind of load these films with their friends and you see people like Steve Coogan and Stephen Marchand, like just so many people mm-hmm. are in the movie that you would recognize um, through uh, just being a fan mm-hmm. of British comedy. So like Kevin Eldon and Olivia Coleman and just mm-hmm. like all these people that they've worked with before. But what I really also love about this movie is it references so many action movies. 
um, like Bad Boys 2 and Point Break and The French Connection, Dirty Harry, Death Wish, Mad Max, mm-hmm. Lethal Weapon, Die Hard. Like they, again, you have to appreciate a genre in order to spoof it well. Yeah. So I think they they accomplish that in spades. And there's even points in the film where they are doing kind of shot for shot remakes of certain scenes from these films to drive home how absurd some of these action films are. Yeah. So my one sentence synopsis of Hot Fuzz is... An accomplished London police officer is transferred to a sleepy village where strange things are afoot. So, again, Nicholas Angel, he's played by Simon Pegg. He's a great cop. His arrest record is 400% higher than the other officers, so they're making him a sergeant. The only twist is they're sending him to the country. They're sending him to a sleepy town called Sanford, where nothing ever happens. And... We realize through the course of the conversation with his superiors that he's really being moved because he's making everyone look bad and he's not a team player. So they're like, you're kind of too good at being a cop. So Mm -hmm. we're going to send you away. And again, he recently broke up with Janine. So all he really has in his life is being a cop and caring for his peace, Lily. Um, But he's really intense. He's like a very intense guy, the kind of guy who lays in bed and stares at the ceiling and put like pumps those hand gripper things Oh, yeah, I have them. I have them in my house. Oh, my God. Such a jock move, Millie. Those hand gripper things are a jock. Like, you should have them tattooed on your forehead. (laughs) I guess it's to build forearm strength. I don't really know why. I actually had them because... Uh, I broke my finger once and I like the, my occupational therapist was like, go and get a bunch of like things that you need to strengthen your hands. And so I had what it came in the thing with, uh, with all this other stuff. And I was like, Oh yeah. Now I feel like I'm an eighties jock. Cause I'm just like, absolutely pumping it. Yeah. Just, just pumping small iron. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> small resistance iron. Yeah. But he is, he's very intense. This character, Nicholas Angel is very intense. And his, his motto is kind of like, you know, there's always something going on. You have to look closer, but he can always spot crime. Like he's always on the, on the ready. Um, so he checks into a hotel. Cause even though they have this nice cottage for him, it's not ready. Uh, but he's already suspicious. Like as soon as he lands in this town at, at night, he's already suspicious. Um, he sees like a gang of teenagers in gray hoodies hanging out by the fountain. And um, he meets Roy and Mary, who are the kind of the publicans. Uh, and the, he, as he's looking around, he realizes that the pub is just filled to the brim with underage drinkers. Mm-hmm. And he busts all of them, like just empties the place out. It is the funniest scene. And you also, this is where we also see Danny for the first time. He's this drunk guy sitting next to him at the bar. And he tries to drive drunk. So... Uh, Angel arrests him and he says, you know, like, I'm taking you to the station. Where is it? Because he hasn't even started his job yet, technically. And then he busts like four more people on the way to the station. But what we, fu- what we figure out the next day on his, you know, he goes on his morning run and he starts to meet people from the town. So he meets Simon Skinner, who's played by Timothy Dalton. Mm. Skinner runs the local market and he's just always saying the most sinister shit. Like there's a real send up quality to how villainous he is. Mm-hmm. And then when he gets to the station, he realizes that Danny is not only a police officer, but his partner and the son of Inspector Frank Butterman, who's played by Jim Broadbent. So he put him in jail and then they immediately just let him out because they're like, he works here. Mm-hmm. And we get to, there's also a really funny cameo here from Bill Bailey. Um, if you ever watch the TV show Black Books, you'll recognize a lot of the comic actors in, yeah. in this film. But Bill Bailey does a really funny, funny cameo. And then, so as, you know, Angel's mind is being blown by the fact that his 
partner is this kind of buffoonish drunk. We get a tour of the station. So this is where we get to meet the Andes, who are these two detectives that are like the hardened detectives with the mustache. <laughs> mustache. Oh my God. <laughs> these two fucking ding-dongs. I, I love... <laughs> I fucking love Patty Constantine. Like, I just... Like, the, those two, char- like, detective characters are so funny and stupid, you know? They're so... And pa- Patty Considine usually does, like, really serious films, so yes. it's also really funny to see him in this role. And so does Rafe Spall, the other uh, actor who plays the other detective, the other Andrew. And it's just so funny to watch them just acting like absolute ding-dongs, like you said. Yeah. They're just, like, total, like, like machismo'd out, like, you know, guys that are just constantly making themselves look like total idiot bigot like motherfuckers they're so out of touch like they're so out of time and they're out of touch and i think that's also part of what was being like spoofed is like these guys are always archaic in every cop scene like there's always that old guy who's completely out of touch yeah and we get to also meet again some of the other officers like olivia coleman and her character is really funny to me because she just always talks in sexual innuendo (laughs) <laughs> which is just so weird and hilarious. Yeah. Um, and then we also get to meet Tom Weaver, who is the civilian liaison for the Neighborhood Watch Association. And he has a very impressive command center there where we get to, as a, the viewer, see that there are cameras over covering every inch of this village. And this Neighborhood Watch is watching it all. They can see everything you're doing. And we also notice that the evidence room is empty, again, to kind of indicate that there's nothing really going on in this town. Mm-hmm. So Danny and w- what I kind of love about this, the beginning of this film is you, it's kind of Nicholas Angel is kind of a, a, adjusting to life as a, a cop with nothing to do. And Danny is asking him a ton of questions and you realize Danny just thinks that being a, a cop is like being in the movies. Yeah. Um, so he's like, Oh my God, you were a city cop. Like, tell me everything. And the reality is that all they're doing is like chasing escape swans. <laughs> around this village. Yeah. And so he's like, his skills are wasted here, but also life is seemingly pretty boring, even though that swan does, is, is a running joke and it makes an incredible cameo at the end. They're, yeah. they're cr- incredible. But Danny is kind of like, his his position as a cop is like, it should be fun. It should be nonstop action. He learned everything he knows about being a cop from watching movies. So... Later on, we see Nicholas go to the, the Neighborhood Watch Association meeting. He meets everyone else in the, you know, this organization. And they're all local business owners and, and upstanding citizens. But they're also completely obsessed with being the best, voted the best village. And one of the running jokes that cracks me up the most is that the scourge of the Neighborhood Watch Association right now, in the beginning of the film, is that someone who is portraying a living statue has moved into the center of town. And they're like, we cannot have this kind of riffraff here. He's, we cannot have this man painted gold standing in our town square. It is like the scourge of their lives that this guy has showed up. It's really, really funny. So then we kind of, again, we go through the town more. and We go to the the grocery store that Skinner owns and we get to meet um, Lurch. His nickname is Lurch. His name is Michael. And he's played by the actor Rory McCann, who most of you will know as the Hound from Game of Thrones. Um, or if you're old school like me, you know him from The Butt Club. But he only says one word, and his the only word he says is yarp. And I actually watched an interview with Rory McCann a while ago where he said um, they tried to get him like a, a 
dialect coach. And he's like, why? All I say is yarp. And that's why I took the role. Cause I say one word, there's no prep. <laughs> like I can just show up and do it. Like, why are you paying for a dialect coach? But it's just, he's just kind of like this, this lurching figure that's kind of menacing. And you realize that as you're in the grocery store, that everyone that works in the grocery store is a little menacing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also gives us a chance to see Angel in action because he catches a kid who is shoplifting. And as they're running through the town, you also realize that most of the Neighborhood Watch Association has walkie-talkies. So they're kind of not only watching you, but they're also talking to each other about you as the day goes on. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of this ominous foreshadowing that's happening. Mm-hmm. And then people start dying. And the deaths in this movie are so gruesome that it's almost out of step with how funny and light the rest of the movie is. Mm-hmm. So the first time we see people dying or dead, it's um, Martin Blower and Eve Draper. And Martin is this lawyer who's also like, you know, this local actor. And he and Eve are doing a remake of Romeo and Juliet, even though they are well into middle age. Like it is, it's too much to watch them try to act like Romeo and Juliet, like these teen lovers. Um, (laughs) That scene where they break into that cardigan song. (laughs) (laughs) Shit. (laughs) <laughs> the look on Simon Pegg's face when they break into that song is priceless. <laughs> but that is, again, also funny to me because that's local theater where they're like, let's just put our own touch on it. And it's mm-hmm. just something wildly insane and inappropriate. But, but they die. Like he, we, we watch them as viewers. We watch them get killed by someone in a hooded cloak in the dressing room. But they're actually found on the road and they're completely decapitated and it looks like a car accident but we just see their heads laying in the street and they're like what the fuck like (laughs) oh yeah it was a bad it was a bad car accident both of their heads popped off like it's just so weird and then angel at this point is like yo something is up this is not like we should investigate this as maybe not an accident but nobody wants to hear him Mm -hmm. at one point he visits a farmer who you will also recognize from Game of Thrones. He was Theon Greyjoy's dad. Uh, <laughs> <but> <laughs> England is small. The actors all go to the same school. What do you want from me? But he visits this farm and discovers that this farmer has a fucking arsenal that includes a sea mine, like this giant bomb <laughs> that you would drop from like a fucking submarine. And they puts everything in the evidence room, including the mine. Oh, yeah. Um, which is just so funny because they it's again these gags of like they you know that you see in action films where somebody taps it and they're like it's gonna blow and then it doesn't blow up there's a refrigerator salesman guy or like a refrigerator guy who is drunk in the pub and his house is really audacious because he's super rich and he gets killed when this hooded figure blows up his house and then there's the <laughs> and there's the local the local journalist Tim messenger mm-hmm. and he has information for Angel. But then while they're at this carnival, he gets killed by old hoodie in the most gruesome way possible. And they show every inch of it. Like this spike (laughs) falls off a church directly onto his head. So it's just a body with a spike in it. And it's so gory and disgusting and hilarious. I think that the deaths as they start to happen, like the way that people are dying and the gruesomeness of it heightens the comedy for me. And Angel, again, he thinks all these deaths are linked and he starts to put together a compelling case, but no one really believes him. And I'm not going to ruin the end of the movie, but all hell starts breaking loose. And I will just say 
The end of this movie features three of the most wild things I've ever seen on screen, including, but not limited to, Simon Pegg drop kicking an old woman in the face. <laughs> a shopping cart battering ram. Yes. And an adult-sized fight in a model village. <laughs> it just goes off the hook. It is so fucking funny. And it, again, this is a movie that it's part of a trilogy. It holds up as an individual film. It's goofy. It's funny. It's silly. It is just perfect for that genre. When this came out, I was like, oh, I mean, this is as strong, if not stronger than Shaun of the Dead. Like, it's just, absolutely. you know, you can tell it had more budget. It had, you know, more to do. There was, you know, obviously this huge send up of like these action films. Um, and it just felt like very thought out and professional, like by a person who was, kind of a young person still when he made these yeah. movies. So, well, I don't know. It, it just continued the tradition of what we saw in Spaced and Shaun of the Dead. And when they finally had, you know, money and attention and a production that could match their writing style and directing style, it was better. It was just, yeah. those two things were not bad. But when you could see what happens when you kind of encourage and fund artists yeah. <laughs> is that they took their style and developed it more. So this this movie for me is also where I think you really get to see Edgar Wright cementing his directing directorial style. Totally. Um, but also Simon Pegg is such an incredible comedy writer and he doesn't leave anything on the table. Every joke that is referenced is that is set up is referenced somewhere down the line and it might not be immediate, but he will always, he does the best callbacks yeah. and the funniest like just the funniest runners. And he's really like, he again, he runs a tight ship that way, like where he doesn't leave anything. There's no fat. He doesn't leave anything on the floor. It's just like this joke was set up 40 minutes ago and you have a bigger laugh because you realize, oh, I see what he's doing now. Like he's giving us the, the kicker now. Yeah. He like, I know that, you know, Simon Pegg kind of went on and started doing his own stuff and uh, they were doing a lot of things like without each other, him and, a great I feel like it's time. Yeah. Do you think it's time for together? them to like work together and like him being the star of an Edgar Wright movie? Like I think so. I wouldn't I wouldn't mind seeing that again, truly. Yeah. I just you know, well I just you know, it just it, this movie made me miss their collaboration, I think. Yeah. Well, also I just I miss silliness. I like yeah. silly movies and I I think that they have they have a way of working together that's both silly and incredibly smart. And I yeah. just kind of miss that. And Nick Nick Frost, don't even get me started on Nick Frost. Oh, who... don't even. I swear. Like, that was like one thing that kind of carried over from both Space and Shaun of the Dead was their bromance that sort of is an actual romance. Yes. Well, you I know? read, I actually read a fact about, a trivia fact about this film that I did not know, um, which is apparently they had set up a different love interest for Nicholas and her name was Victoria or something like that. And they cut her from the film, but gave most of her lines to Danny without changing them. So that's wow. why it feels like a lot of their interactions are very romantic and close because it was supposed to be his love interest. But they're like, eh, it also just works for Danny because we've seen this romance burgeoning. Yeah, <laughs> like, like when he when he, asked, when he asked Nicholas to come in for a beer, I was like, are they about to get it on? I'm into it. 
That's the movie they could make now. Let's have oh Simon Pegg and Nick Frost finally do it in an Edgar Wright film. I think we've been shipping them for so long. It's finally time. Oh my God, I'm so glad that you picked this movie. Obviously a perfect, hot movie, but it was also great to watch it again. And I will always love, you know, this this crew. Um, they would just make entertaining films and, you know, it was it was great to see it again. I hadn't seen it since it came out, so... Absolutely. Oh, boy. So we did it. We did our first hot episode. Hot. Hot, hot, hot. More to come. Well, listen, if you all have a question, comment, etc., please email us at I saw what you did pod at gmail.com. And you know you can find us on our social media at I saw pod on Instagram and Twitter. We also have merch. Go to the I saw what you did section of the Exactly Right Shop to find it. And our bonus episodes are unstoppable at this point. The old ones are coming out all the time and the new ones are every third Thursday of the month. Amazing. Well, look, we are on this hot movie train for the rest of the month. You want to tell them what the movies are for next week? Oh, I can't wait. Our movies for next week are Hot Pursuit from 1987 and Wet Hot American Summer from 2001. Oh, it's going to be so fun. We hope to see you there. Danielle, as always, a fucking pleasure doing this podcast with you. The best skin griddles. (laughs) Sizzling. (laughs) This has been an Exactly Right production. Produced by Casey O'Brien. Mixed by Edson Choi. Our theme song is by Tom Bryfogel. Artwork by Garrett Ross. Our executive producers are Georgia Hardstart, Karen Kilgariff, and Danielle Kramer. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at I Saw Pod, and you can email us at I Saw What You Did Pod at Gmail. Follow I Saw What You Did on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen so you don't miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate and review the show. And visit exactlyrightstore.com to purchase I Saw What You Did merch.